Thanks for joining us on the Father's House Podcast, where we are leading people into a growing relationship with Jesus. If you have any questions or want to learn more about us, you can always check us out online simply by going to thefathershouse.com. We'd love for you to stay connected throughout your week. Now, let's go to this week's message. Well, as you're getting ready, uh, we're going to start this new series called The End Zone, and uh, we just want to pray. Uh, we just want to believe that God is going to speak to us today in an awesome way. You have your Bible? If you have your Bible, let's make our confession. This is my Bible. It is the Word of God. It is life to me. Today I receive the Word. I confess my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. I am obedient, and I will never be the same again in Jesus' name. Father, we thank you today that we come. We come boldly into your presence because you asked us and you said that we could. We thank you for the ones that are in the house today. Thank you for healing, for health. Thank you for those that are watching online. And Lord, I just, I just come to you and I ask you to anoint me afresh today with your Holy Spirit. For If you don't anoint me, it's just words, and we've had enough words. We don't need words. And I pray today, God, for your anointing. Help me to say the things you want me to say and not say the things that I shouldn't say in your name. Amen. Wow. I love starting this new series. How many of you enjoyed the July series? Wasn't that awesome? That was such a great series, and, and I thought everybody did so good. I thought Miguel and uh, Pastor Ben, Pastor Tim, everybody did such a great job, and I'll have a hard time living up to that today. We're talking about the new series called The End Zone. There was once upon a time in life that, that football was played. Remember football? And there might be a promise of some sort of football again. And uh, football is all about the end zone. Two teams, one ball. The object is to get your ball into the enemy's end zone. Score some points. Uh, score some points. The game's not over uh, or that just after you score the points. Really, your life is not because it's not over till the season is over, right? It's just the season. But I promise you, every football player that plays football on the field, they look and live for one thing, the end zone. They don't live for the cheerleaders on the sideline. They don't live for the news media that's looking at where they are. They're working and for one thing, to get to the end zone. That's the goal, to get to the end zone. Now, they do it for a game, but we do it for life. It's called eternity. There is an end zone, but it's not the ending. It's only the beginning of something new and fresh that God wants to do. This life is a preparation for eternity. Would you say that with me? This life is a preparation for eternity. Now, I'm going to talk about end time things in the next few weeks. We're going to talk about some things that are um, uh, redundant for you. And I think we're going to talk about some things that might be a fresh revelation to where you are. And each of us have different opinions about how it's all going to unfold. I mean, from our first century church fathers to right now, I have some great friends and some wonderful theologians that I love, but they have differing opinions of how this is all going to end out. Some of them have charts, and I remember Jack Hayford years ago with Hal Lindsey on the Phil Donahue show, and Jack Hayford looked at Hal Lindsey and he said, you've written the books and you have a pink 
bow ribbon tied around the end time philosophy. But what if it's not true? What if God doesn't live by how you think it unfolds? And it might be that a lot of people get discouraged when they go through tribulation and difficulties and trials. We don't go through the wrath of God. I'll talk about that. Uh, the wrath is not for believers. But I want to talk about and take a realistic look at, at tribulation, troubles. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about the Antichrist and some of those things. We might talk even about uh, the mark of the beast. Everybody's saying, is this, you know, is this virus the mark of the beast? You know, 666. Look, 666, in all reality, 6 is the number of man. And the enemy tries to counterfeit God. 777 is the numbers of the Trinity of God. Seven is perfect. So 777 is the perfection of God. 666 is the mimicking of God's perfection by the enemy. So we'll talk about some things maybe you've never thought about. People say, well, will I be scared? Will I be, uh, you know, take the mark of the beast with the chip under me and I wouldn't know it? Look, you're going to know it. It'll be a complete defiance against God. So just relax, would you? Just relax and come off that stuff. People want to write a book, sell a book. Pastor Tim and I were talking today. We could bring end time charts and we could cover this entire wall with end time charts. Look, in, in essentials, we don't compromise. And the essential is, he is coming again. He is coming again. In non-essentials, we're going to have tolerance and love. I'm not saying you have to believe the in-between time. You just need to be sure you believe this. There's prophecies of his second coming, setting up his kingdom, and we believe that fully. Uh, people say, well, that's a little weird. You know, I'm new to church, and I'm new to Christianity, and I don't know all about this Jesus coming back, trumpet's going to blast, he's going to ride on a white horse, you know. Uh, is that real? Is that literal? Is that figurative? What is all of that? I'm not sure. I, I believe it's kind of weird. You know, you're right. It is kind of weird. It's just as weird as all the prophecies that were given about his first coming. That a baby, that the Son of God would become a baby, be born in a, in a manger, that he would raise up, he would walk a sinless life and give his life on a cross. That's weird. That's weird. But how many of you believe that happened? And I believe, and there are so many professor, prophecies. You know there are twice as many prophecies about the second coming of Jesus as there is the first coming? So I believe God is saying, wake up. That's my hope in this series is that we will wake up to where we are right now. Jesus is coming back in the flesh. He's going to triumph over the devil. He's going to reward the righteous. He's going to judge the unrighteous. He's going to banish all ungodliness. He's going to establish his kingdom on a new heaven and a new earth, and we will be with him forever and ever, not in a puffy cloud. I'm not going to live on a cloud, but I'm going to live on a new heaven and a new earth. They say, that. what is this, Mars? We're going to Mars. It's going to take, what, seven months to get there? I was thinking, how vast is his expanse? Seven months to get there, but he's beyond and beyond and beyond that. So one of these days when this life is over, and I am in that new life, I can Walk one moment. I told Jr. he's not going to have any trouble walking anymore. He's going to run. If he gets tired of running, he's just going to say, I want to transport from this world to the next world, to the galaxy beyond that, because God is so awesome. Would you wake up this morning and say, hallelujah, thank God for his second coming. But life brings us issues and problems and difficulties, and it distracts us from what really we should be focused on. In Matthew 16, verses 2 and 3, Jesus said, When it's evening, you say it's fair weather. 
for the sky is red, right? And in the morning, if there's foul weather, the sky is red and threatening. You hypocrites. You know how to discern the face of the sky, but you can't discern the signs of the times. Uh, years ago, I was driving out west, and uh, about 5,000 miles before I got there, I saw a sign that said, Seawall Drugs, South Dakota. And then I keep driving, seawall drugs, seawall drugs, seawall drugs. I never knew there was a wall drugs, but I went out of my way because there's so many signs that said I had to go to wall drugs, and I was disappointed when I got there. But the signs pointed me there. So in this world we're living in today, the troubles, the trials, the glories, all of those are signs pointing us to his soon coming. People say, is COVID-19 ushering in the end times? Is the coin shortage is it part of, part of that cashless society setting up a world of currency? Are we being duped into compliance to get us ready for a world leader? You know what? Probably all of that is true. But guess what? More than that, God is coming back for us, and we rejoice in that. Two Christians were standing beside the roadside, side, and they had a, a sign they scribbled out. said, turn around, the end is near. And so a guy pulled up, stopped threw his brakes on, rolled down the window, said, you Christians are all alike. You're always trying to put your philosophy onto us. And so why don't you just quit it? So he rolled his window up and he drove off. It wasn't just a couple of minutes later till they heard a big splash. And one guy said to the other who was holding a sign, maybe we need to change the sign and said, road out ahead, turn around. <laughs> I don't know. Jesus said, when you hear of wars and insurrections, don't panic. Don't panic. Say that with me. Don't panic. Post that right now. Don't panic. Yes, these things must take place first, and the end won't follow immediately. Then he added, nation will go to war against nation, kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes. There will be famines. There will be plagues in the lands. There will be terrifying things and great miraculous signs in heaven. He's saying all of these are the beginning. You know plagues. Plagues are nothing new. I mean, look at the plague in Egypt. Every firstborn died. Look in the 1300s, 200 million people died of the Black Death. Spanish flu, 50 million people died. All of these things now have intensified in frequency. In the last 40 years, in the span of the last 40 years, COVID-19 is not the most infectious plague that we've had. It's actually the sixth but it's getting more attention for a lot of reasons. Luke 21, 26 says, and it will seem like all hell has broken loose. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. I mean, every day, every time you, you get in, somebody said, you know, for the 21 days of fasting and prayer, I'm giving up news. I'm giving up news because I hear this and 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 something else. Look, it just seems like everything is broken loose. Sun, moon, stars, earth, sea is in an uproar. Everyone all over the world is in panic. The wind knocked out of them, and the threat of doom, the powers are quaking. In the midst of all of that's going on right now, somebody said this week, you know, it's just like one thing, you know, it's, just, it's this, it's this, it's this, and then personal attacks, this, this, and uh, not be able to sleep, and fear, and worry, and all of those things, and it just seems like it's just like, almost like dominoes, like one is falling, and everything else is falling, and you think, well, where is this leading? How bad is this going to get? In a time like now, you have two choices. Here it is. Are you ready? Two choices. Read it with me. Look up, or freak out. 
Look up or freak out. Uh, so why don't you post that right there and let me know, are you looking up or are you freaking out? I mean, I've never seen such rampant fear. I mean, people wearing masks, and you go in, you try to do the social distancing and all that, and still yet, you can see it in their eyes. Such a fear, such a fear. You know why? Because people are freaking out to think that this right here that I see is all there is. But I'm telling you, behind everything, somebody says, do you think... Do you think the, uh, the, the, the Republicans, the Democrats are behind this and that's behind this and this is leading? I'm going to tell you who's behind it all, the enemy. And he thinks he's going to become, make us fearful. He thinks he's going to get us off target. He thinks he's, but you know what? I've learned a long time ago not to freak out, but I've learned to look up. How many of you say, today I'm going to look up? Amen. In Matthew 24, I mean, Jesus is very open about this. You know, I was, just, I was just on the phone a minute ago with my, uh, my pastor, Rick Godwin, and saying, you know, we're back to church today. We're probably at about uh, probably 18, 20% in this service of our regular attendance, and we're right in the middle of a, a rainy hurricane. And, uh, and he texts back, and he said, wow, yucky. But he said, you know, it's probably going to be a while before we ever get back to where we think we would like to be. And I think it will be in us. I don't think we, everything that I hear that's bad and bad and bad, it doesn't throw me off. I don't get more angry. I don't get more, I just say, wow, another birth pain, another birth pain that's pointing me towards the coming of Jesus Christ. Jesus said in Matthew 24 and 8, all of these things, these things that you see are the beginning of sorrows or they are birth pains, birth pains. Uh, And the word there for birth pains is the word Odin. And that literally means a specific pain, agony of childbirth. Those of you that are mothers in here or watching online, if you had any agony in childbirth, would you say amen or give me a thumbs up online? Yeah, I think that was unanimous right there. We should have taken a good vote. Everybody was unanimous on that. And for what I understand, uh, those birth pains come, and at first, they're not like, Oh, just, you know, just knock you over, but there's still enough to stop you in place, right? Uh, to make you gasp. And they're maybe 15, I don't know what, many, 30 minutes apart. I don't know, maybe less. You know, I, I forget things that are painful. And, uh, and, and then, but as time goes, because you see, there's, a, there's something new that's about to be birthed. There is a new season. There is a newness that's about to happen. So the birth pains get sharper, amen, ladies? And they get closer, right? And they get to that place at the, at the right before the birth of something new. It's, you're in such pain, you look at your husband and you say, don't you ever touch me again. I, I don't want any of this to happen, right? You, you know that feeling? It's that pain. It's like, it's like it's one boom, 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 and they last longer and longer and longer, and you're in agony, and you're in pain, and you're thinking, you know, just kill me, give me something, take me out in the midst of all of that. But in the midst of all of that, all of a sudden, something happens, something new happens. You birth into life the love that you had with your husband or your mate. You, you birth that in, and you hold that little baby, and all of a sudden, it's all worth it when you see what has happened. That joy. I'm telling you, don't be weary in what's happening. All of these birth pains are getting closer and closer and closer. But in the midst of that, we need to lift up our eyes and say, Something new is about to happen. A new time of being in His presence with Him. Uh, 
Let me read this to you from the Passion Translation. And the, and the disciples asked, what supernatural sign should we expect to signal your coming and the completion of this age? In other words, the ending of the season and the beginning of another. The end zone is not the end for us as believers. It's just the beginning of something new and fresh. And Jesus said, at that time, right before my coming, deception will run rampant. How many of you believe that today? Deception running rampant. You'll hear of wars nearby and revolutions on every side with more rumors of wars to come. Don't panic or give in to your fears. For the breaking apart of the world system is destined to happen. But that won't be the end. It's still unfolding. Nations will go to war against others, kingdom against kingdom, and there will be terrible earthquakes, events of epic proportion, horrible epidemics, and famines in place after place. This is how the first contractions and birth pains of the new age begins. Paul said this to the Thessalonians, For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when we say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them as labor pains upon a pregnant woman. But Jesus said in Matthew 24 and 26, See that you be not troubled. This teaching is a wake-up call for us. A wake-up call. The early church lived with the constant thought, Jesus could come at any moment. But did you even think about that this week? I mean, is that even in our thoughts? Wouldn't it be awesome? The early church would get together and they so believed this, they would join hands and they would look at one another in the eyes because they were going through some, some tough times. And they would say, Maranatha, our Lord comes. Maranatha, the Lord our comes. Would you say that with me? Maranatha, the Lord comes. He comes. They believe that at any moment they could come. I wish that, you know, I'm going to start doing that every morning when I first wake up. You know, I usually say this is the day the Lord has made. I rejoice and I'm glad in it. Steps of a righteous man are ordered to God. My steps are ordered to God today. I will be who he wants me to be and I thank God and I have a confession. But I'm going to change that. When I roll out of bed, from this day forward, I'm going to start saying, could be the day. It could be today. Maybe not for everyone, but it could be the day for me. I wonder how our life would change. If we live with the thought, it could be today. If we, if we walked out of this building thinking today, it could be today. It could be today. What if you knew? Let's play a little what if game. What if you knew that Jesus would come back tomorrow, 100% guaranteed at 3 p.m.? What would you do different? What would you stop? What would you add? But shouldn't we live every day as though he could come today? And if we don't, then that means that we're more adjusted to this world and we're thinking more of this world than the next world. I've got to be honest. This series has hit me right between the eyes because I get so focused on so many different things and see this happen and make sure that happens and do this. And, and sometimes I put it off in the distance that, yeah, it's... It, it's it's going to happen, but, you know, maybe not, not as soon as, as I thought it should happen. D.L. Moody, one day somebody asked him, said, what if you knew that Jesus was coming back today? What would you do different? And he looked at them right in the eyes and he said, I wouldn't do anything different than I'm doing right now. 
if we really believe that his soon coming is, is imminent. And I think the church has lost that focus today. And the whole focus of this series and the talking about end time and prophecy is, is not that we can get so everything lined out. It's sort of like we missed the point. If you're coming to this series and you say, you know, I, I, you're going to lay it out and I'll know when this happens and that happens and this happens and that happens. Look, I'm telling you this. I believe in uh, pan-millennialism. I believe that it'll all pan out when he comes. I believe that. You know, if he comes, not on my chart, and I'm not going to say, excuse me, that's not how I figured it out. So I think you need to rearrange. Look, when he comes, we do what? We go. Let's don't miss the, let's don't make it, miss the focus. Old man was walking through the woods, and he heard this voice that said, kiss me, and I'll become a beautiful princess. He thought, where's that from? He kept walking, and he looked, walked along, and he said, this, and a little frog said, kiss me, and I'll become a beautiful princess. So he picked up the frog, put the frog in his pocket, and he kept walking. Hey, you, didn't you hear me? I said, kiss me, and I'll become a beautiful princess. The old man said, look, at my age, I'd rather have a talking frog. <laughs> I think he missed the purpose. And the purpose of this series is not that we'll get it so figured out, and then we'll write a book make a million dollars, but the purpose is that we'll realize the prophecy says that he is coming, and when he is coming, he brings his reward with him, and he brings his judgment on the unrighteous and the ungodly, and when he comes, I don't have time to get ready at that moment, so I need to be ready now. Jesus tells us what we should be doing. Look at this, Luke 12, verses 35 through 40. Let your waist be girded and your lamps burning. And you yourselves be like men who wait for their master when he will return from the wedding, that when he comes and knocks, they may be open to him immediately. Blessed are those servants whom the master, when he comes, will find them what? Watching. Assuredly, I say to you that he will gird himself and have them sit down to eat, and he will come and he will serve them. And if he should come in the second watch, or if he comes in the third watch and he finds them so, blessed are those servants. But know this, that if the master of the house had known what hour the thief would come, he would not have watched and not allowed his house to be broken into. Therefore, you also do what? Be ready, read it with me, for the Son of Man is coming at the hour that you don't expect. When we read something like this, we try to understand it in our Western mindset. But you really need to understand the principles that he's talking about here from an Eastern mindset, especially when he's talking about wedding here. He's talking about a, a Galilean wedding. Remember Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And if I prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you. And then he tells his disciples, no man knows the hour that's, that's going to happen, not even the Son of Man. So when you understand a Galilean wedding, a, 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 bride, a bride and a groom would stand together and they would make a covenant. He would give her the juice or the fruit of the vine or the wine and he would say to her, I won't drink this again until we come into the place that is prepared. She would drink and that he would drink. And at that time, they were betrothed to one another. Now, the actual wedding ceremony may not be for a year. 
Many times it was actually for a year. And so at, at the end of that, the groom would leave. He would go start getting all the materials that he needed to build a room onto his father's house. It kept getting bigger. So if you had a lot of kids, your house kept getting bigger and bigger because the groom is making a place in the father's house to bring his bride. And so the bride leaves, and she goes shopping for her wedding dress. She gets her bridesmaid. They get their clothes. They send out the invitation to the party. And so everybody then has to be ready because at any moment, you don't know when the groom is going to come, and he doesn't even know. So he works on building the house, maybe take a year uh, batting on a room. And then one day when he's finished, he lets his dad inspect it, and he says, hey, the, I have prepared a place for my bride, and I want to go get her right now. And the father will say, I'll tell you when it's time. I'll tell you when it's time. So what's happening now is the, the groom is living in anticipation of getting his bride because everything is ready, but the father knows the best time. The bride has been sleeping in her wedding dress. All of her bridesmaids, I hope they wash them sometimes if it lasts a year, and they've been there. And everybody that is invited to the party are sleeping in their clothes because most of the time the sound went out for the groom to get his bride at the midnight hour or in the second or the third watch. And so you didn't sleep nude then, you slept in clothes because when the trumpet would blast, you had immediately to get out to get with the procession going to the groom's house because once he went in, the door was locked and no one else could get in. You see the picture? And so when the father would say, hey, it's time, go get your bride. They'd get out the trumpet. They would blow the trumpet it would, and they would go through the town streets blowing the trumpet and everybody knew it was time for the wedding and those that were invited, they didn't have time to get new oil in their lamps or flashlights. They didn't have time to put on their clothes. If they weren't ready at that moment, they would be locked out and miss it. Listen, here's what I'm saying. Jesus said, I'm going to go prepare a place for you. I'm going to come again and when I come Come again, you need to be ready. Don't be out there playing around in things that you didn't want to be. But when that trumpet sounds, guess what? We that are alive are going to meet him. And others will say, let us in, let us in. And he say, I'm sorry. I never knew you. You weren't ready. So what should we be doing? Well, we should be shining lights. We need to be let our light shining to others and telling them that Jesus is coming back. Number two, we should anxiously be waiting and watching for his return. Watching for his return. Not saying, well, I don't think it's that, but watching. Let's do this. Let's, let's cut a covenant together. And let's watch. Every day we start off and let's watch. Let's look up the sky and say, maybe today. Maybe today. Because this world is not our home. Some of you remember that old song we used to sing in old church? This world is not my home. I'm just a traveling through... Uh, I don't remember the other words, but I remember that one. And it keeps reminding me, this world is not my home. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth. Number three, we should be ready to go. We should have on our running shoes, our jogging shoes. We should be ready. And number four, we should be working. We should be working. Not just sitting by, but working. Look at this. Luke 12, verses 40, 41, 46. Let me read this from the Passion. So keep being alert and ready at all times. For I can promise you that the Son of Man will surprise you and will appear when you don't expect him. The Lord said, a trustworthy and thoughtful manager who understands the ways of his master, will you read this with me? Will be given a ministry of responsibility in his father's house. 
What is your ministry of responsibility in the Father's house? Where do you serve? I serve in the, in the, in the parking lot. I, I serve as a greeter. I serve in the resource. I serve on the prayer team. I, I, I serve on, the, on, on this, or I serve on the worship team. I, I serve there. So he says, the master is looking for people that are going to be at their assignments, their ministry of responsibility. And when the master returns, he will find his servant that served him well. And he goes on to say that he's going to reward him. But in verse 45, but one servant says, my master delays his coming. And who knows when he's going to return? Because of the delay, the servant elevates himself, mistreats those in his master's household instead of caring for the ones he has appointed to serve. He abuses the other servants, both men and women, throws drunken parties for his friends, gives himself over to every pleasure. Let me tell you what's going to happen to him. His master will suddenly return at a time that shocks him, and he will remove the abusive, selfish servant from his position of trust, and he will be severely punished and assigned a portion with unbelievers. Jesus is pointing a picture here. He says, I am like the master that's gone away, and I have appointed you as servants in my house. And a servant who really cares is going to be working, is going to be serving, is going to be helping people. But then there'll be those others that have a position and they have an assignment, but they drop out, they drop in, they do it, they don't do it. They live a life of whatever they want. And the scripture says, and when the master comes back, he's going to reward those that he finds faithful at that moment. And those others who thought they were believers, he's going to appoint them to a position with the unbelievers in the world. He said, I thought it was once saved, always saved. Remember when Jesus said, some of you think that you're serving me, but you're not serving me. You're serving yourself and you're serving the world. I'm telling you, it's time for us to get serious and think about this. Am I doing what he wants me to do? And then number five, we should be praying for revival. Jesus said to his disciples, why would you say the harvest is another four months away? Look at all the people coming. Now is harvest time, for their hearts are like vast fields of ripened grain, ready for a spiritual harvest. And everyone who reaps these souls for eternal life will receive a reward. That's our focus, folks. We should be sowing seeds of winning people for the Lord Jesus Christ. He said those who plant spiritual seeds and those who reap the harvest will celebrate together with great joy. So notice, notice what happened. Notice if you look back in history what was happening in the 60s and the early 70s and what's happening today. Let me show you the similarities. In the 60s, we were in a massive space program, shooting rockets off like crazy. There was rioting in the streets. There was social unrest, racial tension, difficult time. And people thought, wow, it's the end of the world. Doesn't that sound like where we are right now? In fact, on April 8, 1966, this was a cover of Time magazine. Is God dead? In other words, have we of a nation gone so far away from God that there is no hope for us? But all of a sudden, in the midst of that, there was a nucleus of people, unlikely people, men and women, who'd rejected the fluffy religion of their parents' generation, who didn't want to follow religious rules, who didn't seem to fit in. It was a perfect setting 
for the greatest renewal of the 20th century. Let me show you about two months after that, the cover of Time Magazine, the Jesus Revolution. Two times. Here's what Time Magazine said about this. Look, they were saying, end of the world, no hope, everything is bad, it's doomed, there's no way. And then the side of a two months, here it is, Time Magazine, one of the greatest revivals. Here's what they said. Jesus is alive and well, living in a radiant spiritual fervor of a growing number of young Americans. If any one mark clearly identifies them, it is their total belief in an awesome, supernatural Jesus Christ. Not just a marvelous man who lived 2,000 years ago, but a living God. How many of you feel something stirring in you? That what I'm seeing right now shouldn't be all negative, shouldn't be all of that. I feel something stirring that maybe God on the horizon wants to bring another renewal that would bypass any renewal that from every tribe, every nation, every tongue, there would be a harvest of his soul of souls. R.A. Torrey said in 1917, if you want a prescription for a revival, here it is. Let a few of God's people, how many of you are God's people? Let a few of God's people, they don't need to be many, but just let a few of God's people get thoroughly right with God themselves. Start that. The rest will count for nothing unless you start right there. Then let them band themselves together to pray for a revival until God opens the, up the heavens and comes down. Then let them put themselves at God's disposal to use them as he sees fit. That will bring a revival to any church, into any community. Amen, amen, amen. For the next 21 days, we're going into a time of 21 days of prayer and fasting. We are going to, on our website and on the Father's House Facebook page or all the information about that, choose whatever fast that you want to do. And we're going to be praying for this. We're going to pray for an end-time revival. We're going to pray for a renewal. There's going to be a falling away. When we start coming back to church, you can see in there, there's going to be people who got comfortable staying home because their comfort is more than fellowship and being with other people. And I'm not saying don't come if you don't feel safe. But I'm saying don't get adjusted to what's going on right now and miss what God wants. He wants us to get ready for revival. The enemy wants to distract us. Uh, he wants to divide us over race, politics, and end-time things. But the Lord is saying, I want you to be focused. I want you to be focused on what is important, what is important. We can be active, and we can be moving, but in the wrong direction. It was New Year's Day, 1929. It was the Rose Bowl. Georgia Tech was playing the University of California, scoreless in the second quarter. Stubby on the, on the Georgia Tech team fumbled the ball and dropped it. Roy Rigels recovered the ball from uh, University of California. And he was hit this way, that way, and he started running. And he was running fast, and he was running furious. But he was running towards the wrong end zone. He was outrunning everybody else. But finally, one of his teammates got up to him and tackled him at the one-yard line. He was about to score a touchdown for the opposing enemy, the opposing team that they were playing. And Roy got a nickname on that day, Wrong Way Rigels. And he never lived it down because he became distracted by all the pushing, the shoving, and he lost focus of his end zone. It's a wake-up call today. Would you bow your heads with me?
Father, forgive us for being distracted by the world, being distracted by the COVID, being distracted by the events that are happening. Lord, forgive us for allowing division to cloud our mind, divided on politics, divided on philosophies, even divided on end-time philosophies. Lord, would you use this sermon to be a wake-up call for us that in our minds we think this could be the day, this could be the day. But I want to talk to some of you today that are here, those of you that are watching online, and you're not ready to meet the Lord. You go through the motions, but you know He's not your Lord. You're just, you're just going through the motions. Maybe some of you are here today and it's a time for you to wake up because he's waiting for you. What if this were your last day? Are you sure you're ready to meet him? Jesus Christ was judged for my sins. He didn't know them, but the debt was my debt. But he came to this world and he paid for it. Jesus died on a cross for us while we were yet rebelling and breaking his commandments. See, it wasn't nails that held him to the cross. It was love. For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. God loves you and he has a plan for you. And he wants to start by forgiving you of your sins if you'll cry out to him. Then he has a plan for you to spend eternity with him. Christ could come at any time. Please don't leave today. Don't turn off this broadcast today unless you know for sure that you're ready to meet him. He said, behold, I stand at the door and I knock. He says, I'm not going to push it down, but you can open, only open this door from the inside. If you're here today or you're watching online and you've never opened that door and allowed Jesus to come into your life, would you do that today? Would you let me pray with you? I'm not going to embarrass you, but I'll help you with the words today. I can give you the words, but you have to surrender the heart. If that's you today and you say, Terry, I'm not sure I'm ready to meet him, but I want to get ready. Would you raise your hand right now? Just raise your hand right now. I want to, I want to pray for you. Or those of you that are online, just raise your hand. Let me pray with you. Let me lead you in this prayer. Let's all pray this prayer together. Father God, I ask you to forgive me of my sins, to come into my life, and to be my Lord and Savior. I confess with my mouth, and I believe in my heart that you are Lord, and that you rose again from death to give me a second chance. Thank you, Jesus. As a church, it's our honor to play a small part in all that God is doing in and through your life and we'd love to continue with you on that journey. To find out what your next steps are in your relationship with Jesus, all you have to do is go to thefathershouse.com slash next. Join us next week as we continue to love God, help people, and build the kingdom.